Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 116 of Midweek Metagame. I'm HaremTG, joined by my one regular co-host, Gabriel Nassif. Hey, what's up, everyone? And this week, sadly, we're not joined by Pat, but we have on again a regular guest on the podcast, Andrea Mangucci. How's it going, man? Hello, hello, hello. I am I'm such a regular guest that I am wearing the official Midweek Metagame hoodie, and <laughs> under it, there is the official Midweek Metagame t-shirt. So I just have all the gear ready for the podcast. Oh, awesome. Wait. Regular guess is better or worse than special guess? It sounds Ooh. a little worse, but maybe it's actually better. Now you're just part of the team. Yeah, I'm the official replacement if no one chose to be the guest <laughs> and, one of, uh, and one of you is missing. The replacement regular special guest, Andrea Vigucci. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, I guess for those wondering where Pat is, sadly, uh, as he is working at uh, university and obviously has a son sometimes life gets in the way and sadly had to drop out last minute uh, for this week's episode so hopefully he'll be back on next week but you know talking about this week we do have a lot of modern to get into um for those following andrea's twitter closely as well as his youtube we, we all know that he's been playing quite a lot of modern this week specifically a new white red uh, crack the earth modern deck which we're going to be getting into a lot so we're going to be talking about the modern challenges this week, as well as a bit of historic towards the end, as obviously Gab and Andrea do play a lot of that format. But before we get into the podcast, as always, we're brought to you by Card Market. Um, for those who don't know what Card Market is, it's a marketplace online to buy anything Magic the Gathering related. It can be singles, accessories, deck boxes, playmats, everything. You should go check them out, as well as you can even sell on there as a seller. So, you know, shout out to Cardmarket for sponsoring us, cardmarket.com or cardmarket.eu. As well as if you personally would like to support the podcast, best place to do so is at patreon.com slash midweek metagame. No pressure to do so. That's the best place to support us. Um, but yeah, like I mentioned, you know, at the start, uh, Andrea, you've been playing this Crack the Earth modern deck. Can you just like quickly give us like a deck deck and also how you found out about this list? First, I want to say that uh, your introduction to the to the to the podcast is among the best one because I hear a lot of podcasts, I listen to a lot of podcasts, <laughs> and I think the midweek metagame has the best intro, just the flawless, uh, you know, thanking the sponsors and etc. Oh, thank you so much. Yeah, yeah. All right, so yeah, the crack the earth deck. Well, so uh, Pat is not here, but he would really like to join this conversation because the person who won the challenge on Sunday is uh, a fellow Australian, and uh, actually a friend of mine, Anthony Lee, is from Perth, and he's been like uh, you know sharing the, the the results of his friend who somehow was in the top eight of a modern challenge with crack the earth, and uh, another player somehow also in the top eight of that Sunday Modern Challenge with Crack the Earth. Oh, wow. And there's also a third player that I think he lost the win in it against Noama. So, and he went, I believe, 5-2, maybe 4-3, I'm not sure, but there might have been three Crack the Earth in the top eight of Sunday Modern Challenge, which is pretty insane if that deck was just nowhere yesterday, you know, on Saturday, and all of a sudden, it's, it's just, you know, two in the top eight of a Modern Challenge. With So, that's... That's really amazing, and that got my attention. And mm -hmm. Twitter loved it because when I tweeted said something like "Oh, crack the earth made the top eight," the tweet got like I don't know infinite uh, interaction. So, and then also the 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 you know the the Twitch 
people really loved it because also I was like going deep. I my first two leagues with the deck, I was four zero four zero, and then I lost twice. Wow. So never trophied, but um, the deck was super hot. I was very often going truck here, uh, flex no truck here, crack the earth. I don't lose anything. You lose your first land, and that's just brutal. And the deck did that so many times for me, and it was really impressive. Mm -hmm. So I guess for those listening that kind of you know, haven't been following the deck list and also what Crack the Earth does. Do you want to just hmm. kind of give like a little deck tech for uh, sure. our listeners? Sure. I wrote a deck guide for Channel Fireball uh, in the meanwhile, and it's um, it's one in a red. It's one red because it's a common from Subwars of Kamigawa. It's a sorcerer. It says each player sacrifices a permanent. So you sacrifices a card that replaces itself like a, a Fluxon of Trokir or free things like a blood token from Voldar and Epicure or a treasure from Ragavan. Mm -hmm. Or just a land. Sometimes you don't need like a fourth land in the deck. You just sacrifice it. But your opponent goes behind the turn. And if you're attacking them down with um, a Dragon's Ray Channel or, or a Ragavan, they just can never come back. Um, you also play Boom Bust, which does basically the same. You, bl you blow up your own land uh, and one of theirs. But your lands could be Flagstone Stroke here or a fetch land like Arid Meza. You can target your own Arid Meza and then you fetch in response. You, do you don't lose the land and they do. Mm-hmm. So it's basically just like an extremely low to the ground deck, fifteen creatures, all one drops, and then yeah, a load of yeah, you play spells. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like a meme deck with a lot of junk, but it's like Modern Horizons two old stars. You have um, uh, Ragavan Channeler, Esper Sentinel, Urza Saga, Prismatic Ending, and then you have Lurus Companion. So, I mean, it sounds like a meme, but sometimes you just draw all these busted cards, and and you just yeah, basically like. Similar to the Boris deck from Aspiring Spike, uh, the Stoneblade, like, still, sure, you play, like, Forever Champion and and Sword of Fire and Ice, but you also play all the super powerful one-drop from Modern Horizons 2. I, I always find it funny when we see decks like these, because the Hammer Time deck started off as a meme, and then as Lurus and then Saga got printed, it went from, like, meme to, like, tier 2, then to just, like, really, really good, so I'm not surprised that a deck like this just basically all one drops apart from boom bust and i guess prismatic ending uh, is gonna perform well yeah we haven't mentioned that the deck also plays four monatite the <laughs> the four spike in white which is just crazy because you would never think that card is competitive but you actually just stone rain your opponent they have to pay the extra mana for Mesper sentinel and then they just can't pay the tax yeah, wow. It, it's kind of like a death in taxes deck. When you look at the list, the first thing I think is that, oh, is it really going to come together often enough? Aren't you going to have these these starts that are maybe not so great, not so great opening hands? And then all of a sudden, you have all these cards that really don't do anything anymore in your deck, and your whole deck is just so much air. But I guess in practice, you just have always pretty pretty good opening hands, and you can snowball and keep the pressure on. Obviously, there's a lot of like bad things happening. Like if you lose a die roll and your opponent gets ahead, and you just have all this crack the earth and boom bust, which do nothing. Or um, I saw, I noticed that the more I kept streaming and, and tweeting about it, the more my opponents knew how to play my deck. And this is not necessarily ghosting. This is just knowing that if I play crack the earth, you don't crack your bubble. You just play bubble, and then like. It stays there. And now my crack the earth does nothing if you have a Mishra's bubble in play. Whereas if you don't know what I'm playing, you just crack the bubble in upkeep. Okay? 
Yeah. Or uh, same thing with ping, playing around mana fight. Like you play around mana fight, like around Daisy and Legacy all the time. Um, you're so used to it. And in, in modern, people don't. But if they understand what your deck does, they can easily play around mana fight in the, in the early game, the early turns. Yeah. I saw this deck list. My first thought was, yeah, that person just won a lot of die rolls and got a lot of good opening hands. And that deck's probably not very good. But you said you were eight and two in your leagues, I believe. Yeah. And yeah. you were saying like how all these other people also did well with the deck. So I guess, yeah. I guess it was great decks, like kind of, if it's an unknown deck, it was just really good. For sure. For sure. Like I played a couple of matches in a row where my opponent never cracked their bubble, never cracked the Mishra's bubble. So they just basically countered all my crack the earth and then just started playing around Banathite. And you don't have like brainstorm or force of will to use your days on in modern. So my monetite just kept accumulating and I could never leave up like three white source. So yeah, I started losing way more since the since the third league on. Yeah. You you're seeing there's multiple in the top eight, and what's even more surprising is that they're not the same version. The one version has chromatic yeah. star, which combos was crack the earth. So I'm not sure which version you played. You said it was a bunch of friends, or it was just a deck that. No. So uh, the if if I if I got it correctly, the person who made the deck was uh, the, a German person, which is Kritik, who I okay. think made the top eight, yeah. and then um, a bunch of Australians took the list and revisited and like made a bunch of good results in a row and won a challenge, the same challenge. So um, I think that. The, the original list was public in a 5-0, uh, you know, one of those like 5-0 yeah. league results. And then the, the, the Australians, you know, changed it and, and won the thing. So now... Okay, so it's... Okay, so they probably saw it this week. It's probably pretty recent. And then it just happened that in the one challenge, it was Critic. You talked about the probably original yeah. deck builder and then the Australian uh, yeah. players who, yeah. who took the deck and... Yeah, I wonder, his name is Ben, I wonder how many just decks are around that people just never found, like, I don't know, yeah. like Ard Arden Scales or KCI, you know, the cards were there, it's just people found them slower. Yeah, probably Shire. not a ton, but definitely a few, and it's, that's one thing that's been really cool about Modern is that you don't see it every week, but I feel like every other week maybe you get kind of a new deck or... A pretty different version on a Vic of an existing archetype and i feel like it's been pretty consistent you know yeah every other week every two weeks every three weeks you you see a, a new deck top eight it was um you know maybe glimpse glimpse for tomorrow uh, glimpse for tomorrow about a, a month ago was the current version uh, now we have that white red deck i'm sure there was many others so yeah but like not only that, also like cards. For example, uh, Happy Sandwich made back-to-back uh, -back top eight Saturday and Sunday with Hammer Time, and he was playing, and they were playing Lavinia and the Restoration Specialist, like two cards that you never see in Hammer Time, and he was playing, and they were playing one of them in the main deck. So it's like modern lets you do these things that is so beautiful that no other formats does. You just you just play cards and play decks, and you can win. You're not like there's not this huge barrier that it's impossible for you to climb. Yeah, that deck I'm, I have it on the screen right now. It's splashing blue. It has the the one Lavinia. What else is it splashing? Three blue spell for? Pierce. That's it. Three spell Pierce. Yeah, 
there was uh, the, the one player, I forget their name, but they, they top eight it. Uh, they had a couple of, they, they won the challenge. They had man leaks in the sideboard. Yeah. And, yeah. and, uh, and also feeling skydiver. I had a skydiver. Yeah. So this version, Spell Pierce and Lavinia, but the splash is as free as it gets. Not, com not no splash is ever completely free, but yeah, yeah. the cost is incredibly low. Yeah. So overall thoughts about this red-white deck, I mean, I think it kind of scared, or I guess kind of got people with not not many people knowing what, you know, the deck is doing. Do you think that now that the surprise factor is gone, it's kind of not as good? Because you said that you weren't doing as well in leagues after your two four ones. So like, what's kind so of your overall thoughts of it now? Well... I think that at at some point people just because um, we all know that modern modern leagues. I mean, people know what's up. You don't just join with a thousand ticks deck um, if you don't know what's going on in the format. So they probably either like saw the list and knew what to play around, and the, and that maybe makes it worse if you just you know it's still like a super like I really can't wait to play this deck on my on my LGS um, because you know. Not, not, not necessarily because people will you know, not play around it, but also because it sounds like a ton of fun, try new decks. I think that it still can get people. It still can, like, sometimes you just can't play around Manathite. Like, sometimes there's Esper Sentinel among the play. You just, you can't do that, and Manathite will get you. And some other times you just play a deck that doesn't have Mishra's Bubble, and you have to sacrifice a land, like the Omanath decks. Uh, maybe have the... Um, uh, one huge problem for me was the uh, abundant. Uh, what's it called? Abundant, abundant growth. growth. Yeah. yeah, that was a huge problem because they just sacrificed that or uh, ran in six because they get back the land that you that you kill. So there's definitely um, some cards that really punish you. But again, it's this like cool deck that plays a lot of new cards, super cheap. If you win the arrow, is really good, and if you get a right matchups, it's it's also good. But it's not. We're not like in tier one territory for sure. Mm -hmm. I just I just got so confused. I was trying to look up the results of the challenges this weekend, and I see Mateus F playing, um, you know, Eldrazi Tron. I'm like, oh, Mateus F is back on on Tron, and then I see weird list, and then I see an Uro in the list. I'm like, Uro, what? I think there's just a, a bug, and somehow for February eight or February seven, it just put out some. Declares from a really old modern challenge. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I had to go check on Antigy Goldfish because it was, <laughs> was, like, it was hey, blocked. Is it illegal? Am I? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's like all the thing like all Astrolabe Legacy is just I don't know. Yeah. They just uploaded the, the list from last year. I mean, I just got dropped in a different timeline or something. Something happened and yeah. timeline where Uri did not get banned. <laughs> cool, no, cool. But... I think yeah. Do you ever play the challenges, Andrea? Uh, very rarely. I usually just play uh, a lot of, of computer. I always stay a computer like so much during the week mm -hmm. that uh, in the weekend I like to just stop. Although sometimes, you know, hanging out with friends and we just, you know, play a challenge. Usually it's vintage challenge because people here mostly play vintage. So we just play like one or two vintage challenge and mm -hmm. a bunch of people. It's very fun to just, yeah, basically like land party, but you know, yeah, I, I usually just try to play paper magic in the weekend. 
It's already just yeah. If I have to play magic, I play paper magic. That's what it is. Uh, that, that's good though. It's it's nice to get out. I don't do it often enough. I saw my friends for the first time this Saturday. Kind of like the first time I think since COVID, where I kind of acted like there was no COVID. You know, we just had a ten friends over for lunch, and then I went out and saw some friends at a cafe, and you know, just hoping for the best. We're all like yeah. vaccinated, boosted. I think so. Yeah. What it, like what it. it yeah, what I do usually is um, I go to this friend of mine that has a local game store and I just uh, sleep at his house and just play all the events um, and just stay with him and, you know, just go to yeah. eat uh, and play magic. And that's yeah, of it. course. Yeah, I mean, that's what I did for so many years. I would just be at the local game store all day. Then we would go to my place at night or one of my other friends. We'd rotate places, you know, mm. at night during the holidays. It was we were literally just living there and then. We'd go back to our place and then we'd cube all night and wake up and go back to the local game. So yeah, that's like the best. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It is. It is. Oh. Sometimes sometimes I need a little bit and I just go down uh, there and it's, I'm very much, uh, I mean, they're just like a very nice community. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Do you, do you have to go to like, is it in your city in Senegal? There's that magic community, or do you have to to go somewhere and like drive? Uh... No, yeah, it's like one hour drive. It's not, okay. it's not that big of a deal. But like, I, I go there. I don't go there. Like, like for example, they have um, uh, you know, a, and every evening they play tournaments. I would love to go it, but like, then I couldn't make it in time. I have to stream in the morning. And, yeah. Okay, um, I played a tiny bit of modern. I just played, I think, two rounds of modern. Honestly, I, I played the modern, the Sunday challenge. I went O two drop was four color blink. I got paired against Belcher in round one, which is a really tough matchup, and they got really good draws. And in round two, I just lost a mirror match and decided to um, to play all arena. I've been mostly playing getting back into historic because we've got a set championship coming up. But um, we'll get into that later. Is there any other modern decks either of you wanted to talk about this week? Yeah, I wanted to talk about one thing that three people back to made the back to back top eight this weekend. That's very unusual. I don't know if it's if you ever seen something like this, but both Happy Sandwich, Bob Forty Nine, and Mister Cafuyet made oh, top yeah. eight of both Saturday and Sunday, which is very impressive. I mean. Yeah, like it's a big deal. Like these events are uh, what, like hundred people, and managing to do like I don't know five two or six two two days in a row at least. And sometimes it's six one. It's really impressive. Yeah, that was kind of the other quote unquote big talk, big, big modern talk. It was the think twice. Oh, yes, true. The, true. The, the free think twice and Mister Cassiette's list. People were asking me about it on Monday. I was like, Did you see? Did you see? There was he was playing think twice in his blue eyed deck. And um, yeah. I guess you do. You, I mean, I can't imagine Think Twice is actually good in modern, but who knows? I feel like that card was decent when Liliana Abdeville was around. It was pretty, pretty nice against that. And even then, kind of questionable, but back to back top eights. I've yeah. not been impressed by Blue White in general, but it did win a challenge last weekend, had good results this weekend. I mean, he won the challenge, Mr. Cafayette won on Saturday. Uh, he won on Saturday in top eight. Yeah. Well. yeah. And yeah. then a week ago, there was someone else who won was blue white control. Yeah. So. Do you do you know him? Do you know Mister Kafuyet personally? Yeah, yeah, I've met him. I think I met him at you know maybe the last couple French nationals. Maybe we even played 
he's uh yeah he's i mean people the running joke is that people think it's wafo yeah yeah or for no, a long time no people more. thought it was wafo but it's just his good yeah. friend who also loves to play control and they live uh they used to live in the same city anyways yeah today i got paired against wafo and uh he was playing black green yogmoth wow <laughs> yeah and he like did all the things that i would expect he like slow rolled me a lethal uh, like yogmoth two things accord for like you just talk so much uh, sorry talk so much and then i like, had the kill and uh, he also like took the full three minutes to sideboard which is a typical nasif play <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Like in the full three minutes, I was there like a zero 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 one. <laughs> the match started. Yeah, that's one thing that strikes me when I watch your stream. Sometimes is that you don't you don't overthinking too much. You try to keep it oh somewhat simple, and you don't. Yeah, yeah. When I don't know what to cyber, I just you know. But I understand you're like I think your your content is more um, I don't know. Well, deep thought like you. I mean, it's not that mine isn't, but it's when it comes, just, yeah. Yeah. It's just more things. Yeah, yeah it's just the way I'm wired, I guess. I just can't help myself. I'm not saying it's necessarily a good thing. You know, I think somewhere in between is usually, you know, you want some kind of balance, but. Yeah. I, I still remember that you managed to ro almost rope in Mulligan decision on Arena, which was during the PT on Arena, which is like so hard. Yeah, it was. <laughs> you have was so much the... rope. <laughs> Was that the Mulligan to five game or something where I just I think or was that we were, another one? I think we were playing both uh, Oko, uh, like yeah. um, Simic Oko or something. Yeah, yeah. No, that's yeah, some decisions. Ah, uh, good days, good times, Simic yeah. Oko. Maybe, maybe <laughs> one day we'll get to play uh, some big tournaments on Arena again live. Yeah. You played some Modern Two Harry, right? Yes. Yeah, you tried so, another white red deck. Yeah, I did play the. Uh, white red artifact deck. I believe a lot of people were saying Aspiring Spike built it last week. It came first in the Saturday challenge last weekend, I believe. It was the Esper Sentinel, Ragavan, Goblin Engineer, and uh, what is it called? Like Fiddlebender or something? Oh, yeah. about Fiddlebender? Yeah, yeah, it was that deck and it kind of went up the chain. I played it, I went um, one and four actually. The deck did not perform well for me. Like, in theory, it felt like a great idea. Like, you have Stoneforge Mystic, Ragavan, and Esper Sentinel. But the problem I found was that you only had three portable hole in the deck in terms of removal to remove things. So that was all really awkward. As well as, like, I think we discussed, like, oh, if they have the removal spell for the Ragavan, hopefully they don't have the removal spell for the Stoneforge. But it's like, I you know, they always had the, the double removal. I feel like decks in modern right now are so creature oppressive and I was just getting in these really awkward spots and I just really didn't, um, the deck didn't really perform for me. It's like, I actually never got to use the fiddle bender in terms of like sacking artifacts or doing things. Um, and the only t like, I actually don't think I activated goblin engineer or fiddle bender once the whole league. The only reason why I won was, Caldra complete from Stoneforge Mystic or Ragavan Beatdown. So, like, I found that just the core mechanics of the deck were quite weak, and you're just literally leaning on Urza Saga, Ragavan, and Esper Sentinel, which I don't think is very great, um, because obviously the game plan behind the deck should be winning you matches, but it, it, it really didn't. To me, it just felt like a kind of a really bad red-white Stoneblade deck. Like, I also got crushed 
in like the spike deck mirror because like spikes fervent champion deck just crushed me because they could get sort of fire and ice and i couldn't really do anything you know yeah i've also played that deck once uh, for my youtube channel and um yeah i mean i you sometimes do the little little goblin engineer uh eco wellspring thing that's fun sometimes fiddle bender just kind of stops but yeah it was mostly good for me because i played against green tron twice and i had the, the like dumping sphere and void mirror so i had very easy access to them in all my post cyber games so that was very cool but yeah i can't assume that it's not the most uh, yeah, I mean, it's classic modern, right? There's just a million decks that could win a challenge, but maybe, like, if you play, I don't know, that can also 1-4 a league, whereas Grixis Shadow, for example, it's really hard to 1-4 a league with it. Yeah, yeah. It, it definitely felt like a deck that has to have the right draw, or you're you're just kind of going to flop. Like, I kept drawing, like, Lightning Greaves, you know? Like, it's a one <laughs> the deck. If I draw Lightning Greaves, I'm probably not in a great yeah. spot, so, st yeah. stuff like this. Yeah, for me it was spell guide. I always had a spell guide around. Yeah, yeah, and I think that's also like a. I was, I was also doing it kind of like on Discord with friends. It's like the deck has a fundamental problem where if you draw these like very situational artifacts that kind of do nothing against a deck, you're 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 put into a really awkward spot. Yeah, sometimes just one one bad card like that just it can be the difference between winning and losing the game in grinding matchups. And when you draw more, it becomes a nightmare. I wonder if it's a coincidence that. You know, Spike build that white red base deck, or you know, using Sentinel and Ragavan, and that someone else did did well was white red Crag Earth. Maybe they saw Spike play, yeah. and they were like, "Oh yeah, Sentinel and Ragavan and DRC all in the same deck. That sounds like pretty good. But maybe I can I can do something a little better than all these artifacts." And then they kind of went on in the tank and somehow came up <laughs> with Crag the Earth. Because it's true, there there hasn't been that many Esper Sentinel Ragavan kind of that base, right? Yeah. People have tried playing in Hammer Time. I've seen it in Hammer Time, kind of, kind of put Ragavan in, maybe add some Galvanic Blast and call it a day. But I wonder if we'll see more uh, more Esper Sentinel Ragavan DRC White Red deck. Uh, I mean, logically, up. logically it works because Ragavan makes artifacts, Sentinel is an artifact, and Saga likes artifacts. So it's like, turn one Ragavan or turn one Sentinel really works with Saga, and I think that's why, like, the deck is, like, good. It's, like, somewhat good. It's just, like, the build behind it, and that's why I kind of believe that this white-red Crack the Earth deck is actually decent, because it's, like, if you draw a crack, like the whole idea behind this deck is just disrupt the opponent so it's like you're stopping the removal spells and then you're just either making saga tokens or just beating down so i really like i really really like the uh crack the earth deck for that reason yeah because usually the red decks they only have the the eight good one drops mm -hmm. death shadow it has death shadow obviously you can't play it on turn one and now you add sentinel to the mix you have a little more consistency or a bit more likely to have the double one drop draw or maybe even triple one drop draw yeah and um have you thought about that mangu like other other versions with the same shell kind of with the same creature base but maybe not the crack the earth since you played the deck did it give you ideas or when i was playing crack the earth what i thought was very was very similar to john saga like he had very similar cards and the earth saga wasn't as powerful as an affinity for example where mm -hmm. 
your construct is just unbeatable. Your construct in the Crappy Earth deck is generally not very large, and you don't even have a great selection of things to get. So, on one sense, um, it felt to me like a John Saga deck in which you don't play the Saga on turn 2 to make a construct on turn 3 like you would with Affinity. Um, but instead, it's more like you play as a Saga because this deck, like, after a bunch of Stone Rain, you get to a point where the game stalls a little bit, and you as a Saga, you know, can't get huge value. But um, the deck, um, as I was going to say that, so I like to own every card, and when Modern Rises came out, I didn't buy a Sentinel because I was like, oh, it only is playing in Hammer Time. I don't like that deck. I'm not going to play Hammer Time. I don't need Esper Sentinel. But recently I bought them because so many decks just spawned with with uh, with Esper Sentinel. You have the Blue White Affinity deck that won the challenge a few, few weeks ago that you, that, 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 that Nassif, like, you know, kind of, Pioneered and modern, and then you have now all these Boris deck that really just are popularizing. So Esper Sentinel, I think it's a card that everybody everybody knew was super good, but no one really tried to make work in other decks that isn't Hammer Time. And now and now it's working, and now it's like you know really just I keep on saying that it's just the best start in the format. Like turn one Esper Sentinel on the play, I think it's better than like Ragavan or Dragons with Chandler or any other start from Modern Horizons two. Yeah, no, that makes sense. That's fair. Cool. Um, Did you play any any more Affinity? Because I built it in paper. It's so good. It's such a such a fun deck. No, I kind of moved on. I started doing a little worse with it. People were a little more ready, maybe yeah. with some hate, and some of the matchups were not great. But yeah, everyone who's I've got a lot of feedback, anyways, from people who tried it, who liked it, who won a decent bit with it, and. I was having a lot of fun. It does a bit of everything. It's like aggressive. You have some counter spells. You have Urza Saga that's super busted. You have Portable Hold. You have some removal. So it's, it's a well-rounded deck and it's a fun yeah. deck. The, 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 the Pioneer or the Historic version was already uh, lots of fun. And I'm really looking forward to Kamigawa actually to, to see if any of the new cards can, can improve uh, yeah. the Historic version and maybe even the modern version. Yeah, I'm excited to try the new Dig Through Time in Affinity. That hmm. seems like that seems like it's the like that's going, always going to cost two mana because you play like four thought cast four thought monitor but you personally I would just play like eight thought cast if I could. Yeah, 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 for sure. Um, should we talk a bit about the spoilers, Kamigawa and modern modern impact and maybe a little historic yeah, too? I uh, I guess I I had um we did a set review with Scanister and he was mostly focused on modern. And I used uh, the kind of ratings we gave to the card to uh, to to come up with a top ten. So should I maybe go from ten to one, and we can talk about each card and see if either of you have anything to say about it and do like that? I think maybe that's a good way of doing it. Yeah, sure. Yeah, I love it. All right. So right at the edge, number eleven, I guess. Honorable mention. I've got the the planeswalker. I believe he's called Kaito. Kaito something blue black one. Do you do you believe do you believe in that card, Mengu? That it it's good enough to like kind of snowball. All right, and... let's let's read it for the people who don't know it. All right, good point. Do I read it? Sure, sure. Go ahead. All right, Kaito Shizuki, one blue black legendary planeswalker. At the beginning of your end step, if Kaito entered the battlefield under your control, he phases out. All right. Let's explain what phases out does. A card phases out and comes back in in your next 
on top phase, basically. Oh wow! So it it can't get act attacked by your opponent, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. I just wanted to confirm. Yes. All right. It says plus one draw a card, then discard a card unless you attack this turn. So it just really rewards um, aggressive decks. I want to say. And then it's minus two, you make a 1-1 one, one blue ninja token with this creature can't be blocked. So of course that plays well with the first ability. And then it has an emblem that's very late, seven, starts with three. So I think when evaluating these cards, I always focus on the, the plus and the minus. Yeah, I agree the emblem's not very relevant. So yeah, I think this card's just fairly cheap and you really don't have that many three mana planeswalkers that can kind of snowball right most of them cost four or more the ones that kind of like draws you cards protect themselves and that this one's a little different but it kind of protects itself you can't attack it the turn you play it comes into play you can't use a burn spell at sorcery speed and yeah in theory it, it's self-sustaining right it gives you the creature and then it draws you two cards a turn and if you have the discard, the counter is a removal to protect it. It can just go all the way. I think it might be good enough for for maybe maybe just for standard, maybe not the older formats. Maybe in some ways it will be better in older formats than in something like standard. It's kind of tough to say. I have a question. Uh, I don't understand it very well. Does he phase out every single time or just no. the first no, time? No, 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 just the first time. Because phase out, like, it still stays on the battlefield. It just, we, yeah. we pretend it's, like, not there. So it's, like, it says if it entered the battlefield under your control, he phases out. But it's, like, still under your control when it's phased out. So, no. Yeah, yeah, that's that's good. We we Good question, because it's So it's only server. for the first time. So yeah. it can't get attacked the first time. Yeah, mm. exactly. But then the the reasoning is that once you untap, you get to protect it with removal blockers and whatnot. So, so it it automatically guarantees you a one one token that's unblockable and a card draw. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. You can read it as a three mana token, like three mana one one. A blinded agent was a big upside. Yeah, it's like basically a saga. Three well, mana, one, one. I was thinking of the infect creature. I'm dumb. Yeah. You, you can read it as a saga, right? You can read the first chapter, make it one, one, second chapter, draw a card. Yeah, kind of. And unless, then, they kill, unless they kill your creature. Yeah. But then it's still loot, even if you don't attack. People are even yeah. talking about it for reanimator, potentially. It's, you could maybe play it in reanimator. Hmm. I think it's powerful, but I don't think it's like game breaking from a modern perspective. Yeah. yeah, as they say, it's aggressively costed, but I don't know. yeah, yeah, I don't think it's broken, but I think it might be, as you said, Mengu costed aggressively enough that it'll it'll actually see play. Yeah, and it's like the emblem to me doesn't like. Ren and Six, for example, the emblem almost ends the game. Um, or is the emblem doesn't matter, game? though. I mean, if yeah, you over, ever get to se- like, if you ever get to seven loyalty, you probably won the game, right? It means you drew four extra cards and got to attack. Four, like, you're you're probably not losing that game. Yeah, Ren and Six is aggressively costed. This one is yeah, <laughs> less yeah. less so than Ren and Six. Yeah. Can't really All right. All right. All Next right. at number ten, I had. Invoke Calamity. 
Ooh, is this a green one? No, it's the it's a red one. But that, that's already like kind of loose. So invoke calamity is red, 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 and one. So five mana, instant speed. You may cast up to two instant and or sorcery spell with total mana value six or less from your graveyard and or your hand without paying their mana cost. If those spells would be put into your graveyard, exile them, and you also exile Invoke Calamity. So for instance, you can recast two burn spells from your graveyard. You can recast a Cryptic Command and a Counter Spell from your graveyard to Archmage Charm. You can cast stuff from your hand too. So maybe if you have a second one in hand, you can cast an Opt or Lightning Bolt plus the one from your hand and then recast some cards. And not exactly sure where that might be play. I was thinking maybe just straight up blue-red. I think there's enough dual land that you can actually play Archmage Charm, Cryptic Command, and Invoke Calamity in the same deck. But, um, you know, Ooh. just... So, so is this four spells or just two? Up to two spells. Yeah. Instant or Sorcery. Up to so two. Oh, so yeah, your yeah, count, yeah. So the Storm count would be free, I guess. Yeah, I thought about when reading this card, I don't know why my brain just made me think about the flesh hulk body double combo. I don't know why. Uh but um obviously you need to like obviously like everything needs to be different. Yeah. But maybe there's a world where two spells chain into something else. I don't know, gifts ungiven. I don't know. I can't obviously the 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 modern hive mind well maybe you know, say something about this card, but for now, it looks like a value card. We will know how much is five man in modern. Yeah. And this card, I, I don't know, Memory Deluge is, I think, a card that also does. I mean, <laughs> again, if you flashback to Archmage Charm, it's huge. So. Yeah. Or, or even just like a Cryptic Command. Even if you don't lose the full six casting cards, if you do a Bolt plus a Cryptic Command. That sounds d decent as well. So yeah, but then isn't this like a Snapcaster Mage at that point? Oh, mm. oh, oh, more powerful, less flexible. It's just to Fury too. Maybe if people are playing Fury in every red deck, so it's not as big as a liability if you have a card you can't cast, and then when you do cast it, it wins you the game. Yeah, I think if this card's gonna be good in modern, it has to be like I win the game. Like when you cast it, and I don't think like five mana draw four with Archmage's Charm, or or like steal two. Like I don't think that's like game winning. Like sorry, like insta win the game. But yeah, I like that it's an instant. Like yeah, only playable because it's an instant. This to me just kind of seems like a better electro dominance kind of thing. Like I don't like I know it casts sorcery spells, but I don't think that's good enough to build like a cascade deck around it i think you have to just like cast this and you win the game like like um what's it called you know that one that destroys creatures and get em emrakul out of your deck um yeah creativity yeah a, a, i think a, a yeah creativity. yeah that, that's a good point that canister brought up and we hadn't brought up yet you can just uh recast um rhinos rhinos is zero mana yeah wow so that that could be a a cool application uh just yeah. recast your the the other ones don't work as well yeah it's tough it's like kind of top and you know i see it kind of like a, a planeswalker maybe a five mana teferi it's except it's instant speed just really powerful maybe not quite i win the game on the spot but 
I get super far ahead or just huge card advantage. So I guess I guess we'll see if it's good enough in the casting costs, not prohibitive. All right. Next, I have at number nine, the first of the land cycle, I have the white one, Aigenjo, Seed of the Empire. So they all, they're all legendary land. They all come into play on tap. They all top for color and mana and the white one, and they all have a channel ability. The white one is white and two, discard Aigenjo. It deals four damage to target attacking or blocking creature. And they all have the reduction ability cost one less for each legendary creature you control. Yeah, I really like I really like this one. I just today wrote about it for uh, Alchemy because I think that control deck will uh, you know, just love to play up planes that can be a, a rebuke basically. Um, a Ganja to me and white. I think it's the color that. Uh, can't afford to just play a planes that isn't necessarily a planes more than most like death and taxes for example used to play the old ganjo very often in legacy and modern yeah exactly hammer time when when i when i saw these lands i felt like hammer time was the one that get the least hurt if you look at the the tier one modern decks that play a lot of basics or that can afford to definitely the white decks. some of the white decks are up there and that card is almost definitely better than the the other Igancho. Uh, we still had it at like kind of worst of the cycle. Um, oh, yeah, I yeah. That, was, that was good. Yeah, maybe maybe the blue one's a bit worse. I, I thought mm. the blue one was bad too. Yeah, well, I don't love the blue one. Relatively bad. Yeah. Also, Iganjo has this ability costs one less for each legendary creature. It's very relevant here since this is going to be paired maybe with Thalia, Garden of Thraben, across legacy and modern so that's already makes it cost two and maybe you have more legends i'm sure there's you know some legends yeah. around like ragavan for example because the the white deck used to play the white and taxes i don't know i feel like this is a this is a good card i'm, I'm excited for the rest of the top uh top eight now if this is <laughs> the worst of the um all right so at number eight I had the the white march, mm-hmm. yeah, the one okay. that um, exiles yeah. march of Creech. otherworldly light. Yeah, you want to yeah. read it for us, Harry? Sure, it's X and a white. It's an instant as an additional cost to cast a spell. You may exile any number of white cards from your hand. This spell costs two less to cast for every card exiled this way, and it says exile target artifact, creature, or enchantment with mana value X or less. Yeah. So for modern, it obviously has tough competition. You've got prismatic ending that does a similar thing. You've got solitude that's also kind of instant speed, and you can play it for cheaper or in solitude's case for free. Uh, if you pitch a white card, this one you always have to play at least one white. It's kind of nice with chalice of the void because you can overpay. It's the the huge huge appeal in modern and. If it ever sees a lot of play, mostly because of that, is it kills Urza Saga for one white. You can even kill Urza Saga with a trigger on the stack before they even get to flow the mana with it. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of the, the big selling point. Is that going to be enough to, to see that card play a ton? I was kind of a believer. Canister was a little more, uh, you know, maybe lukewarm about it. I am very excited for this card in Historic. In modern, 
we have a prismatic ending, which is obviously just, I think it's just better, because you're trading one for one on parity. Like, sorry, mana parity. Like, they play a one drop, you play a one drop. That kills it. Whereas this one, you have to pay two. So that makes it obviously worse. The appeal to Urza Saga is huge. Like, we play Spreading Seas, we play a Wear Tear, a Pine Moon. I guess now there's Boseju, but there are definitely um, plenty of ways to deal with the Saga. We all know how strong Urza Saga is. Like, the first, like, three weeks of Urza Saga, everybody just complained how strong it was and, like, need to be banned. Now, like, obviously, you have, like, Everyone just has so many answers for it that it's kind of kept in check. And this just piles up to the answer for Urza Saga. I think that why I don't like this card is because the one thing I love about Prismatic Ending is that in Control, you don't really ever do anything on turn one, whereas Prismatic Ending almost guarantees you to do something uh, on the draw, of course. But like as well as like... You pitch cards to Solitude, but Solitude has the upside that if you draw it on turn 5 or 6, you get a 3-2 lifelink alongside it. Whereas, like, this card, I can see it being played in Modern, but I think if you're talking from a controls perspective, I probably wouldn't play it in the main. Like, I'm not playing it. I'm not going to play uh, almost like a worse Prismatic ending because I can exile an Urza Saga. I mean, Urza Saga isn't, like, you know, it's played very commonly, but not commonly enough for me to justify playing this over Prismatic Ending, in my, in my opinion. I can see it being played like a one-of in the main, but, you know, the fact that I was going to copies of Isolate in the sideboard recently for, like, extra white removal, like, I can easily see the slotting in the sideboard and, and being played, but just not not good enough just because I can exile as a saga. I think this card will be played in Modern. I think some copies for sure, and it yeah. also might be um, a card that shows up, makes um, Yorian show up more because blue white control is usually not Yorian because you just just don't have as much um, just card depth as the four color does. Maybe this just is one more card that you can play in order for your Yorian to be playable in blue white. Like I remember a Yorian, there was a player who was making top eight a lot with blue white Yorian. Um, May, this card will definitely go in that deck since you have to go to 80 cards and also you only have four spreading seas and maybe some dress down so you want to add the answers to to Urza Saga if you go to 80 cards That's and the fact yeah and the fact that this is an instant is really good for control decks i mean prismatic ending sometimes is it's a little bit clunky if because it's a it's a sorcery so you can kill like i don't know no not with ability on the stack or stuff like that like the the thing like it pitches to solitude I don't know how can I buy it because for me when I play the four color deck or the blue white deck I rarely I really try not to pitch anything to solitude of course mm -hmm. like your point kill me with armor time I have to do it but I don't know uh, Gab how often do you actually use the pitch ability of solitude in uh, four color I mean it's usually when you're desperate right you're on the draw they have turn one around you and you have no other answer that's the most common scenario mm. yeah I guess, but like for real, like I don't know. I feel like the so many people just say, "Oh no, this is fine," because you pitch to Solitude, or and yeah, I don't know. To me, the strength of Solitude is really just a five mana part. So of it. I don't know. yeah, what about what about just uh, you know? Don't you think that a deck like like almost any deck in modern that plays white is might just have four of that card after sideboard and. You get to bring in against all the Urza Saga deck. 
imagine against Hammer Time, you're bringing a card that kills Saga for one wide and just really solid removal, instant speed for the Hammer, the aid, just um, get, gets kind of rid of uh, of everything. And as far as blue-white control go, I think you might just play, you know, you'll play foreign ding and first solitude. It'll just also play a, a bunch of that, you know, just on top, just maybe even play the full 12 white removal spells. They're just so good, so versatile. We used to have to play with Path to Exile for so long, and I'm sure we had, you know, Detention Sphere and some really, we had to play some really bad cards for a long time. Now we have all these great removal spells. And Yeah, I mean, someone plays Wear Tear in the sideboard, and this is just, yeah, better than that, I think. Yeah. All right. So number seven, I've got the new Tezzeret. Tezzeret mm. Betrayer of Flesh. It's um, blue, blue, two for, your, for loyalty. And it has a plus one that draws two cards. Then you discard two cards unless you discarded an artifact card. You have a minus two that turns an artifact into a 4-4 creature forever. So that means your Esper Sentinel is just a 4-4. It's a tag, gets you tax them on their turn. And a minus 6 where you get an emblem whenever an artifact you control becomes tab, draw a card. And on top of that, it has a passive that reduces the activation cost of an artifact by 2 once each turn. So, you know, equipping a Shadow Sphere using a Maze Mind Tome in modern... I'm not sure what else you have that's really used. You can also use it on their turn. So for instance, maybe sack a clue is something you can do on their turn. So I think that card's really cool. It's pretty strong. And I think if you can use the passive pretty reliably, I think it's very good. If you can't, eh, it kind of you know reminds us a bit of maybe Karn Sina Verza. My problem, the, I don't know why, this card reminds me a lot of Urza, right? The four mana Urza, yeah. which is, I don't know, I just had a blue-white artifact deck and I played one. And, like, so, I, it, to me, it's just hard to find a home in modern at the moment, in the modern where we know with an only heat that for one red, like, in my blue-white control, I'm not playing any Planeswalkers. I'm so afraid of an only heat. And yeah. So, I, I'm not sure. Sure. Uh, that's a good, great point. It has super tough competition. Urza is amazing in that blue-eyed artifact deck you, you talked about. Um, you know, I, I went up to two copy, even I was super impressed by that card. And Thopter Foundry, maybe, maybe you want more though. Maybe you, you know, you want a couple of each. They are legendary, so kind of snowball even more. Yeah. Have one of each in play. Yeah, and I don't know if you, uh, if it's higher in your uh, top, but like the prototype, the common that adds a colorless mana. Maybe that can make you raise the curve a little bit more, but obviously then you have like clunky, clunky yeah. draws if you play more than four Urza already. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not too sure cool. about this one. Yeah, it's just so hard. Okay, like yeah, since they printed since yeah. yeah, since they printed an Oli Heat, I think they just nerfed Planeswalkers forever in modern. Yeah. I, I guess so. I feel like you have to make them use their own holy heats anyways. But I, I think it has potential. It has pretty high loyalty count. The fact that yeah, you know, turning true. an Esper Sentinel into a 4-4 sounds pretty appealing because sometimes it just sits there in the late game and doesn't do much. And It, it does a lot the, if you... Yeah. 
It goes up to five. That's so much. Yeah, it's pretty tanky. All right. Uh, at number six, I had <laughs> the Blue Lands. The mm. it's called Otawara. Otawara. Yeah. And it taps for blue. This one has a the channel ability is blue and free. Discard it, return target artifact, creature, enchantment, or planeswalker to its owner's hands. I was not blown away. I thought it was maybe even worse than the white one. And yeah. I feel like in blue-white control, for instance, you already struggled to play enough basics, and it's definitely not free. I think blue-white control plays, what, like three, four basics maybe? So can you go even lower than that? Sure, it gets rid of Teferi Time Reveler. Uh, it's not a spell, so you can end up throwing down to Teferi Time Reveler. That's kind of cool and cute, but is it enough? Is that card enough utility? You've got Castle Vantress, you've got Hole of the Storm Giants. Yeah. They're just in general, there's just not that many decks in modern that can afford to play uh kind of one colored mana that suck against Blood Moon. Maybe you can replace uh, the Castle Vantress. Yeah, maybe it's better utility than Castle Vantress. Kind of hard comparison because they do two totally different things. Yeah, exactly. Because I think that I mean my when I saw this card, I'm like, oh, it replaces Castle Vantress. But then I'm like, but Blue White Control wants to make land drop. Like, it doesn't want to miss land drop. Of course, it sucks when you flood, but Castle Vantress helps you not to flood. So, yeah, it might be good enough to just replace a spell. The the fact that it's kind of like a split card land marginal spell, it makes mm. your your land draw a bit more consistent and still mitigates a tiny bit of the flood. Maybe you can yeah. bounce your own solitude, which is kind of cool, but it's so so expensive for mana. Yeah, I mean there's some decks that play only islands. I'm thinking about Merfolk, for example. Maybe like yeah. it's very good in Merfolk. Sure. Like two of. Or um I don't know. There must be <laughs> certain modern decks that play on the islands like i don't know maybe mill maybe mill plays this card now yeah at least at least one of and it's not it's not a big deal like maybe maybe it is because you play like fetchland and normal lands because of all the crabs yeah but yep. maybe yeah. otawara buys a turn two mill deck is a huge deal yeah i mean uh, th these lands i think are great i mean you you said you rate them all in the top 10 so it's clear that these lands are very good so we're going to see a lot of these lands in every format and a lot of decks. We're just, I think, natural natural magic player is, I don't know, lower on, a little bit, you know, down on cards, but I'm sure that we're going to see Otawara in many, many decks in, in modern. I think it's kind of just with all the lands. They're all, to me, they all seem like somewhat. Yeah free if if the if the ability does something somewhat relevant in your deck like i can definitely see them all being played and i think they're all at least somewhat decent you know when you have these types of lands in modern i mean eventually there'll be a deck that comes up that will like want want something that these lands do yeah if you're playing if you're playing maybe five or more basic lands of one color you probably can just you know put them in your deck without thinking too much about it I think oh even God. less. I think even less than five. All right, Mengu, you called it earlier. At number five, I have Moon Snare Prototype, Ooh, which is kind of so a high. Job. Wow. Well, yeah. I mean, it's it's kind of a gamble, right? It's either gonna, it might, you know, never see. I mean, it's gonna see play, and then 
people might decide it's not very good, but yeah, one blue artifact. You tap it and you tap an untap artifacts or artifact or creature you control. You add a colorless, and it has channel four in a blue. Discard it. The owner of target non-land permanent puts it on the top or bottom of their library. So it's springy draft that's harder to cast. That only makes colorless at not any color, but you can tap an artifact or a creature. So you can tap your Urza's Bubble, your Thalter Foundry, and it has pretty strong channel ability. That's not, not like the land we just saw. It's not card disadvantage. It's actually, you know, one for one. So yeah, it's cool design. Thoughts? I mean, I, I just... think this is just busted. I think this is going to be really good. Wow. Yeah, I think I think that this card is probably the most playable modern card because it's like it Springleaf. I think it's one of the top contenders for Springleaf Drum because the most of the games against Affinity that I have, they lose because they top deck Springleaf Drum. And I feel like the fact that you're, I mean, obviously you're losing the colored mana from Drum, but I mean we see that the Affinity decks are playing less like mono colored lands and they're more like, you know, you got the artifact lands, or whatever. You don't really care about Springleaf Drum making colored mana, but so I think this is going to be really, really good, is my prediction. I'm not sure about that, especially with the new Reality Heist, the Dig Through Time, the cost double blue. I think that the, the I don't know, the, the the fact that this cost blue and that chorus is a huge deal if you're playing with Dark Souls Citadel and maybe even Treasure Vault. But, of course, you can change your mana base in order not to have Treasure Vault. It's just... It's a strange card. I think it's I think it's a good one, but like you need to have permanents that make you value that are just sitting play and do nothing to tap with this. Whereas and then maybe there's also a problem with like overloading with Springlift Drum effect. Like how many do you want to play? Eight? I mean you might play eight if you if I'm not sure if these decks are gonna function if you can play these eight artifacts and enough cheap artifacts to enable them and also have enough top end to to make it worth it. You know, Urza, maybe the new Tether, et cetera, et cetera. Because then you might just have these really awkward opening hands. If you don't have your payoff, you just have so much air. But I think I think it's I think it's possible, you know, the the fact that it has that really powerful, I think, channel ability in the late game. As Harry said, a lot of the games you you lose, you just draw all these drums and whatnot. And yeah, I... but it costs so much mana, five mana. I, I've played Affinity a couple of times, and five mana. I remember cutting Giganta from my sideboard because yeah. I never came close to, like, I don't know, for the card to be relevant because you always have the crane of plating to move around, or I don't know. You just do. You have stuff to do, and I don't you, know. You, you for now, have... I am down. I I'm I'm more down on you than. Sorry, I'm more down on this card than you, I think. Yeah, you might also have these artifact decks that wish they could play drum, but they couldn't because they just didn't have enough creature. And that one, you just, you know, you get to play mm. just bubbles, foundry, sword portable of the hole, Portable hole. Portable hole, exactly. And you get your drum now. Yeah, portable hole is definitely a card that just, yeah, just really good with all these just new cards like Reality Heist, uh, Moonslayer Prototype, Metallic Rebuke. Yeah. I think my my ideal build was I I would play eight drums I would I would go for the pure affinity route where you're playing 
uh, the frog mites, the, the seven mana four fours, and then your top end is just your card draw. So you're playing thought cast, um, the dig through time, and also uh, the two two flyer, and then you're using the prototype to maybe like you're tapping because also you have things like um the legendary equipment that gives it plus one plus one in life link you can tap things like that mm -hmm. um, sphere net, net, net assist yeah as yeah. well as the the uh oh, i've forgotten the name of the equipment shadow sphere so stuff like this so i feel like there's enough artifacts that moon snare prototype can tap and i think that it really does help out with your uh, draw spells that's why and i think it's going to be like some mono blue kind of deck but maybe i'm yeah, wrong when... you know i'm not saying i just i think i'm really high on this card to, to try it actually because i think it would it would do do some some good for the format i think yeah not this weekend but the one before an affinity went i think 10th place on the challenge and actually got to got to play his the, their list with four mirror enforcer and went like 4-1, losing to Creeping Corrosion, which, I don't know, you don't usually play against. But uh, the the deck was good, and that's what got me very hyped to try the new um, the new uh, Reality Highs card. I don't know if you have it ranked higher, but I think you're uh, more higher on, on, no. this, on this card here. Yeah, no, we don't have it. You can talk about it if you want, though, while we're on talking about Artifact. Yeah. I don't the Reality Highs is, a, yeah, it's a 5 blue-blue, and it costs 1 less. It's Affinity for Artifacts. And you look at the top seven cards, and you reveal two artifact cards, and you put them in your hand. So if Thoughtcast is treasure is um, uh, treasure cruise, this is dig through time. I think. I think it's very similar. Like obviously, Thoughtcast is more cost cost less mana. It's cheaper. It only costs one blue. But this in a deck with like six to eight Mirror Enforcer with the Sojourner's Companion, it really has the possibility to just you tap two blue and just put two four fours into play. I can definitely see that happening in that deck. And uh, I'm really excited about this card because, again, also you can pick up Nettlesist or lands because it also picks up lands. Um, so yeah, that's 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 the card. Yeah, I thought it was a little expensive. I thought the fact that it's two blue means you can never cast it for one blue like you do sometimes with Thought Monitor. You really do have this mm. turn, especially with Urza out where you go Monitor for one mana. It is, it is relevant. So that was yeah. a, little, a little downside. I feel like it would be a little better if obviously if it was a blue and six instead. Maybe yeah. maybe in a deck like Thought for Foundry to find your combo pieces or you're you're seeing it just as like another thought cast in the all in artifact deck as your top end kind of collected company, I guess. Um yeah, I think it's a little too expensive. I guess we'll have to we'll have to see. Yeah, it's weird because you you think that the the, the Muser prototype is good and I don't think so, and like the opposite, so <laughs> yeah challenging it's always good to have this like hot takes i don't know i feel like i don't do them very often because i'm often so, wrong okay so so reality highs that's your hot take that that card's yeah. gonna actually be good all right only in one deck probably though so no but even yeah even if it's really good in one deck that's still a, a big deal mm -hmm. all right Modern, next yeah. all right next i have another land the black one takenuma abandonmeyer and this one channels for black and free, male free cards, return a creature or planeswalker from from your graveyard to your hand. So combos kind of synergy with Lurus, Croxa, Delirium. It's also pretty cool with Ren and Six because they kind of 
save each other. You know, you can get back your Ren and Six with Takanuma and then play Ren and get back Takanuma. So you're like kind of that's this loop where you, you always have a Ren and Six and just seems pretty solid in general. It's, you know, a card for a card. And Canister was, I actually, it actually didn't super catch my eye at first, but Canister seemed pretty high on it. And I kind of agree with, with him. Mm, I don't know. No. That's no, so much. It's just going to be like one off in Ragdos, maybe one off in Ragdos. Yeah, you don't think it's it's at least good enough for like John Saga and, and Ragdos? So I always think about John Saga with like one of the deck with the worst mana base ever True. in modern. And this card also doesn't cast Brandon Six. Like, yeah, you know, scary. like the basic swamp and the Urza Sagas and. Sometimes you have the Bajuka Bog in the side. So uh, outside of that, uh, maybe like, you know, maybe it's not great in that exact example. It costs four mana to bring back a card. We already have, you know, Lurus that like it's just value. We have Kroxa. I feel like we have already, I don't know, just so much like, uh, of course, you have expressive iteration and like so much command, so much redundancy that's really hard for a modern deck to be like, oh yeah, I really need this land to be a four mana raised dead, you know? That's fair. Okay. Yeah, I could see that. I could see it not being even good enough for John John Saga, even if you're playing run and six. Then you're like, oh, it's good with Life from the Loam. Yeah, but like that's not a four mana. Like that's just that's just not the modern that we play with. Yeah, you I don't know. For, for for me personally, Engajo is still it's still uh, better than the two the two lands there that you mentioned so far. Okay, yeah. All right. Should we move on to the next one, or do you want to add something, Harry? I mean, it's kind of the same same idea. I think that four mana is definitely a lot, and it's yeah. like that's a whole turn. So I mean, it makes it makes sense. With I think the best argument is that. The mill three is like really good. I I think that what I like about this is it's it's a way to get back Luris, but you already have Coligan's command, so I'm yeah. not I'm not too hot on this. And and I mean, then again and then again we're definitely gonna see this land in yeah. the decks with like plenty of swamps because it's a free yeah. roll. Like that's the thing in decks where it's a free roll, it's great. But in decks where like John Saga, that's already struggling to fit like one swamp because yeah, yeah I don't yeah. know. I think yeah, that, I'll... like sorry, yeah, you go. No, I was just going to say, I think I might agree that it's not good enough to, to play to play an ambitious mana base, and you're just going to see it in Ragdos, just kind of two-color decks. Yeah. I think the thing is with all these lands, it's like, you, we can analyze what the effect does. It, it just kind of matters of, can can a deck afford to play it? And it's like, does it, does it actually do something to the game, you know, the deck's plan? And it's like, there will always be a deck that will fit a mana base and, and game plan for all these five lands. Like, I think they will all see play in modern. It's just like, wh when is a deck going to be able to play it, to be honest? That's kind yeah, of my take that, for all of them. Yeah, but then there's a the question of, in a deck like John Sagavin, that's a pretty good example. Is it good enough to almost be played as a spell, you know? Like, you're mm. not even counting in your mana base. It's like kind of a split split card. And so Do you play this over cooling as command? Yeah, exactly. Are you are you Maybe. willing to cut one one of your spells to have that land that yeah doesn't cast friend on two? You you already have Boseju now to deal with Chaos of the Void and Cooling as Command. I feel like was mostly there for Chaos of the Void and maybe Hammer Time. 
So maybe I could see that actually. Yeah. All right. It feels like we're beating a dead horse at this point. Next one, another land. The 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 fourth one of the cycle, and it's the red one, Sokenzan Crucible of Defiance. And the channel ability is a red and free. Create two colorless spirit creature tokens. They gain haste until end of turn. So this one's pretty cool because it's just a win conditionless ram. If you're playing, you know, let's say in a teamer deck, counter ram, you play a ram, and then sure, making tokens end of turn that have haste a little counterproductive. You don't get the full value, but yeah, you can just sit back. Whenever they don't do anything, boom, you make two one ones, or if you need blockers and. So that's a cool thing. It's also the one that's least affected by Blood Moon because it taps for red anyway. So that's not changing anything there. And yeah, I think that one's quite strong in a burn deck. It's kind of you know natural fit for a red deck to be aggressive, haste creatures. Um, seems I, quite quite well-rounded, quite strong to me. You mentioned uh, it comboing with uh, Indomitable Creativity. Uh, we we talked about it. We did mention it. Not I. Yeah, as your like kind of fifth, fifth or sixth uh, dwarven runes. That's a, not a good use. Yeah. I mean, uh, maybe in modern you have like fetchland dwarven mine mana base, super easy. But in historic, I think this is going to be huge because there you don't play dwarven mine. So I think yeah, this this card. I think this card is. I mean, not as good as Bosaju, but certainly I think that the second best of the bunch is just. A free mounting that in red decks become two four two four four is huge. As you said, not getting hosed by Blood Moon just means that yeah, you just play like in burn you can easily like cut a mountain and play this, maybe. Yeah, and it's a natural red and six colors, which is nice. Yep, definitely one of the one of the strongest. Alright, should I hit you as my number two? Sure. Number two, yeah, I don't know what it is because it can't be. Let's see. Can, 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 can either of you guess? It's the Greenland, right, right. isn't it? No, the no, Greenland is first. Must the be Greenland first. is first. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry if I killed the eye, but <laughs> <laughs> if well, it wasn't the first, it was a mistake. Oh. All right, number two. It's a it's a creature. It's a white creature. Oh, did you mention the blue, the white, the colorless black red uh, saga that like kills all the one drop? We I didn't we didn't have it in our top ten just because it's in Lurus colors and it costs more than two and it's no but kind this of a is sideboard like, card and stuff maybe like in the Grixis control good yeah. old Grixis control like killing modern so many one drops so I many have one it drops. we can talk about it because I have it in my historic top five but um no we it didn't yeah. quite make the cut in top ten for modern anyways wow. top, top okay top two lion sash wow. One one, a white and one artifact creature equipment cat. And it has kind of a scavenging usability. It's one white exile target card from a graveyard. If it was a permanent card, you put a plus one plus one counter on Lion Sash. It equips, and the equipment is plus one plus one for each counter on it. And it has reconfigure, which is a new ability. It's basically like equipment for a creature. So it doesn't gain you life, but it's any permanent for the plus one, plus one counter, not just creature. It's an equipment, so you can get it with Stoneforge Mystic, which make it probably better in Modern than in any other format. And yeah, I mean, Modern's graveyard-based format. It's in the Lurus colors. It costs two. It's 
Tier Devil Stoneforge Mystic, Graveyard Huge Fart. That card seems really, really strong. Um, yeah. Yeah, I totally agree. This card seems great. Uh, just to uh, understand and maybe uh, make people understand better. So whenever you equip, this card doesn't give automatically plus one, plus one. No. It only gives plus one, plus one equal to the counter on it. Yeah. So this would be, for example, a five, five. But if you equip it, it's going to give only plus four, plus four. Mm-hmm. Yeah, correct. Okay. And also another question, reconfigure. So you pay two and you equip it to a creature. But if you want to keep it to another creature, do you have to pay four? What do you mean? No, it's not. You mean no, two no, no. plus it says, two? No. It says attach it to target creature. Oh, wait. Attach to target creature you control or attach unattached from a creature. Yeah, it means you can either pay two to attach it from one creature to the other or pay okay. two to make yeah. it become a creature again, I guess. Okay, perfect. So this will always be it's like a keep a keeper yeah. does a keep easy and it, okay and the reconfigure works with so it works with Sigarar's aid meaning Ooh. you can pay two and attach directly and then with pure steel paladin I believe it Ooh. is it, it equips for free once it's equipped mm-hmm. I forget but that's a different mechanic though that says equip this is reconfigure yeah there is. Yeah, but I think Pure Steel Paladin gives equipments the zero cost. Oh, yeah. okay, sure, okay, yeah, okay. So cool. once it's an equipment, once it's a on a reconfigured on a creature, it becomes an equipment, and then it benefits from the Pure Steel Paladin uh, reduction I cost. I think it's always an equipment, right? It's a keep, equipment cut. No, I think it's only an equipment when it's attached to a creature. Okay, cool. Yeah, no, super good. There's also like. You can play with uh, Lurus. So if you want to play Stoneforge Mystic, you can also because like you can also do that. Like only Armor Time does it because they have Armor. But normal Stoneforge Mystic deck tend to play you know higher convert convert mana cost equipments. This one can fit there, so that's cool. Okay. Apparently, rules got updated today, and it just works great with Pure Steel Paladin, even when it's a creature. Okay, so you draw a card when you cast it, and uh, you keep it for free. Yeah, wow, cool. yeah. that makes it even better. Yeah, that's yeah. actually pretty decent. Yeah, that's this is this is going to be huge. I mean, that's going to definitely see playing the decks that we already know. Yep. And the fact that you can get this with Stoneforge Mystic as well yeah. just makes it great. Cyborg Wh- card, which which is the, the the easiest way to evaluate a card if you already well, know where. Yeah, maybe the main go. deck. Oh yeah, it's, I I think it's definitely going to be at least maybe even couple off in the main deck and kill the the kill the kill your first one. Yeah. I can see. Two in the main and maybe more in the sideboards. I mean, every deck has uh, just graveyard like Lurus, Dragons are yeah. Chandler. Everyone loves uh, to keep their graveyard warm and yeah, all the yeah. Ren and Six decks. Yeah, super good, super good. This card. All right, and number one, Mangu called it as kind of obvious. Yeah. Well, it was actually not super obvious to me at first. Vesaju who endures said, I want channels for green and one, and you destroy target artifact, enchantment, or non basic land at no opening controls. That player may search their library for a land card with a basic land type, put it into the battlefield, then shuffle. So, yeah. untapped basic land type means Hollow's Fountain, like dual lands. They have the, the basic land type, island, planes, etc. 
So a bit harder to run people out of their basics because they actually get to get dual lands too. And um, yeah, people were just super hyped. I was a little annoyed. I feel like people were kind of overhyped about it, but I, I kind of turned around and I think one take that kind of triggered me a bit is that people were saying that that card would be better helping Tron and helping Amulet Titan get rid of stuff like Blood Moon. And I thought that it was going to be the other way around. It was going to be worse for them and better for the, you know, Ren and Six decks. And they were going to suffer more from it. But um, yeah, I was, I was not as high as other people, but then I started talking about it. And I was... Right now, there's Belcher deck, for instance. There's an Oops All Spells, the Belcher decks. They get wrecked by that. And I can just see a world where you play one or two in your main deck and your Ren deck, and then you go up to four after sideboard for a bunch of matchups. And it's kind of the best sideboard card you can have in these matchups. And it's there's enough decks that you hit between the Titan decks, the Spells deck, the Tron decks, that it's actually worth it to have you know multiple copies in your 75. I think it's better to explain a little bit better that against Belcher and Upsu spells, they just don't have like normal lands. So this is just Stone Rain and you're paying two mana for a Stone Rain. Mm -hmm. So yeah. that's, yeah, that's... Or even one mana if you have Ragavan in play. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And that, it's Assassin's Trophy, which is a really a good card, but you're not playing a spell, you're playing a land. So if Assassin's Trophy isn't good, you just play as a forest. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's, and... it's in the Ren colors. Yeah, I think this card is going to be, like, for years and years, we're going to have this card around, and it's going to be huge. Like, yeah. Yeah. Been, yeah. So it, it, might, it might be format warping. It might literally, you know, get rid of some of the the successful archetypes we, we have right now that just can't beat a deck that has four Ren and six and four Bustachio after sideboards. Yeah, I mean, we already talked about the March, uh, the White March before, but this is another card that definitely, like, it's, good against hammer time like it's not as good as march because they're they can definitely recover but if you are already like stabilizing this is a shutter and it's a land like that's the huge deal that it's a split card naturalize i mean assassin's trophy forest like, yeah so good maybe and, maybe whoever designed that cycle is a plant at wizards that wanted to get ren and six banned really badly and now they're like <laughs> well i guess we now we do have to ban ren and six yeah. honestly i just love this this cycle like just giving yeah. rewards for people to just you know play less basic lands i think it's good like really really good like this card again like if you think about commander right Everyone would love this card. Like you just have any deck of these colors, just put this over over a basic land, mm -hmm. and uh, and think about older formats. This card is so good in older formats; it's unreal. Like this kills like Chalice of the Void or Trinisphere, or in Vintage it kills like Bazaar of Baghdad, Sphinx of the Steel Wind. Like this card is insane, insane. Definitely the the strongest card. Uh, yeah, and, and ironically, it's the one that channels for the least mana yeah. out of the, the entire cycle. Yeah, which is which is one of the reasons why it's so good. You know, if it was channel four, yeah, for it sure, wouldn't be as exciting. For sure, yeah. Channel two is yeah. Again, like a split card, Assassin's Trophy Forest. I think that's yeah. what it is. Not even because you just plays in your turn with Teferi, you don't have to pay the tax if the opponent has like a Thalia or an Esper Sentinel. 
Yeah, no, I agree. I think that card's gonna gonna and be the, a, gonna and be the combos with. One. So there's a um, a, a, a Fnoop, you know, Pete Ward. He came ninth place in the challenge this weekend. He was playing this red green with Brandon Six and Avish Reclaimer and Karn, the four mana Karn, and no John, like no Lurus. The companion was Giganta, and uh, basically the deck was just waiting for this card to be released, right? Yeah, yeah. And he even told me that when this card would be released, he would be playing Traverse the Ulvavald to fetch for it if if we really needed. Oh, yeah. Wow. And yeah. and then you have again four four friends and yeah. So is that's the that's definitely the first deck you can try. Like it's there. Like ninth place Sunday challenge. You just he said you know one fetch land for this, two more in the side, and you go. Yeah, I think they maybe messed up printing that card. If we'll see how it impacts the different oh, formats, but let's not let's not say that yet, but. I yeah. think it's good though. You print good cards. Like, I think it's good. Like we've said, the top ten of a format of a set is five lands. It's not. I don't know how exciting that is, but I'm happy that I've made the cycle to. It's just yeah. You know, I enjoy yeah, when yeah, but, when yeah. when old set get new cards. Yeah, but if one card like nukes a nukes a quarter of the the meta game, that can't be good, right? If the meta game gets way less diverse and but it doesn't just... like Grace's Shadow, Murktide, and you know four color Omnath, it will still be untouched. I don't know. I feel like Modern's really cool right now because there's just such such a diversity and. If you just remove the Tron decks, maybe even Amulet Titan, the 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 Belcher and the All Spells decks from the Medics, oh, you know, I think it's not a good thing. But we'll, we'll see. I guess we'll see what happens. We'll see if it's as good as we think it is, as people think it is. If other decks can adapt, who knows? Maybe maybe Belcher starts sideboarding in basic lands, you know, or lands. Mountain. Yeah. yeah exactly, because. You can probably still kill people on average with one or two yeah. mountains in your deck. Maybe in Legacy, you play Land Grant. And, and, and then, yeah, and then it goes from like, it's the difference between them kind of free rolling you and getting your lands and wrecking you to if you mm. actually get a land that you're the one who just time logged them. Yeah, yeah. Like the if you, on them. I'm sure that actually that's going to happen, right? You just put a stomping ground and you do what? Top two mana, discard a card, and nothing happened. Actually, you yeah, fix maybe. their mana base. Yeah, yeah. See, it's already like don't be. I don't know. I, th I felt that you were you were being Twitch chat there with, oh, this is bad for the game. Oh, everything mean, will die. <laughs> no, I mean, just discard specifically can you know? It feels like it could have too big of an impact, but. Good. I, I don't know. I'm on. I'm always a big fan of powerful sets. I don't know. Right. That's that's just me. Cause like yeah. when you have like small, less powerful set, like I don't know, in the strad. Or I don't know. I mean, we had Modern Horizons too that had like at least an ear span of cool new decks coming out every weekend because of how good it was. Yeah. So they were fine, but I think Kamigawa's yeah has has the has the potential. All right. Um, I also have a top five for historic. Hmm. And it's actually a few different cards, not like the, the necessarily all the, the same cards. But yeah, I agree with you. It's cool that a set that's maybe that's it looks the design looks super sweet. People are super hyped about it. The art, the flavor, everything about it. And they they figured out a way to make cards that are good for modern somehow without probably being too broken for standard. So that's that's kind of 
that's kind of cool too. Anyways, historic. All right, I have a, a top five. It's maybe a little looser than the modern one. At five, I have a good boy, the spirited companion. A white and one, 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 enchantment creature dog. When it enters the battlefield, you draw a card. So a white elvish visionary that's also an enchantment. You've got Soul Herder, you've got White Green Enchantress decks, you've got Yurion in Historic, you've got Enigmatic Incarnation. So maybe that card can make these decks a bit better and take them to the next level. We'll see. I'm hoping it does. You know, we don't have Wall of Omens in Historic, but we have Spirited Companion now. Why did you take the the nerf of Inspiring Captain? How did I take it? I was happy. I thought it was... I mean, I played a tiny bit once people figure out that the captain was super, super good. And it was, it was awful. It was these banned mirror matches. We were just both playing captain's deck. I, uh, yeah, but uh, it yeah. didn't really do well. Like I was, I was oh, following yeah. the MTG melee events and the oh, blink deck. Six. Yeah. I had uh, kind of a, a somewhat miserable session where I just played a bunch of, yeah, I was there. Bamp, I was there. In the chat. And it was, it was not super, I didn't think it was super fun. No. So, it's okay. This is Elvish Visionary. I don't know. Not that high. Yeah, you're not super excited. All right. No. At four, I had the card you thought I maybe should have had in uh, in Modern as well. It's Hiritsugu, Consumes All, oh, Red, Black, and One okay. Saga. Yeah. First chapter is Detroit. Each non-land permanent was mana value one or less. So ovens, cats, all their tokens, their foods, etc., goose. Chapter two, exile all graveyards, kind of anti-Lurus, even though you know it's not that hard to save your cat. Uh, but maybe if you lost all your one mana permanent, it's tougher. And then the third one, it flips into a you know, pretty decent creature, free free trample. When it deals damage, it gets a plus one, plus one counter on it. And then it has a kind of stupid passive. If it's dealt 10 damage or more to a player this turn, they'll lose the game. So it needs to be huge already. Um, so yeah, Mingu. I love it. I love this card. I think, I think it's, I think it's super powerful in um, in formats where the curve is as cheap as again like modern, where everyone just plays one drop. In in historic, you have Dragon's Red Channeler. You have, uh, you know, of course, the Cat Food deck. Yeah, yeah. The two best decks past weekend were Phoenix, which has one drops and always see a graveyard synergy to Phoenix and Ox, yeah. and you had food, just black green food, usually yeah. Lurus. So my problem with playing in your because you played at the PT Arakdos deck that wasn't playing Lurus. I remember yeah. that. Yeah. And the 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 clause exile old graveyards is really bad for you because you play Arcanist, you play Croxa, you play like. That's actually a good point. I actually never even thought about that when I saw that card. I was just so focused on the fact that Black Green Food was a terrible matchup for that Ragdos deck that that was kind of what you were waiting for. Exactly. Graveyards. Yeah. I mean, obviously, you can set up and, like, instead of doing Arcanist on turn two, you do another thing, but you usually just go turn one Disker spell, turn two interaction, and then on turn four, you're going to exile it all. Yeah, I guess you can just rebuild afterwards. To to be fair, that deck doesn't play Dragon Ray Chandler, and Arcanus is okay in it, but it's not even that great. I was kind of pretty high on Chandler. Chandler also suffers because it's obviously harder to make it a four four if you lose your graveyard and Crocs has one of your good cards. Yeah, that's that's an excellent point. I totally missed that, and 
we'll see. You can maybe play that card in Niv. You were talking about maybe Grixis yeah. in Modern. You could see some red, black, X mid-range decks too now, maybe uh, Thrive in, in Historic as well. Yeah, Niv did really well this weekend on the MTG Melee events. There was like a couple of large uh, modern events, sorry, modern events, large historic events on MTG Melee, because they're running, I know that this podcast is supposed to focus on modern, but they're actually running a lot of actual PTQs on MTG Melee, like different people, different circuits. And uh, this weekend was won by BG Food. In the finals, there was Niv Mizzet. Yeah. And um, this this card definitely goes in the visit, hundred percent, hundred percent. Maybe you see in the main couple in the main couple in the side for if sure. You, if you want a modern player's perspective, I mean, I've played Relic of Progenitus in decks where I, I rely on the graveyard. I mean, if they destroy each non-land permanent is like that good, and then you get a three-three out of it, I don't see why kind of you know shooting yourself in the foot isn't that bad if you get some value out of it. Yeah. Barakdos Barakdos really needs it, right? Like, yeah, because their like, best card. Go, go. Sorry, their best card is still Trail of Crumbs, so that doesn't die, and they might be able mm. to rebuild. I think one thing that's hard to rate with these cards is how impactful is that third chapter that creature going to be? Because we always talk about kind of the cool effects, but we we don't talk as much about the creature. Okay, sure, it's just a free free trample was a a small bonus but maybe maybe that's just too much you know maybe that's just too much value and i feel like these cards are hard to rate until we've played a bunch with them and see how how they play out yeah makes sense all right at number three maybe not high enough but i had the land cycle i just for for historic i just grouped it in in one because i felt like you don't have Mm. red in six it's not you know as impactful that it might be in modern and the way I saw it is like, okay, every deck that can play it is just going to play one. You know, you don't have to worry about Blood Moon or Magus of the Moon. And it's not going to be maybe as interesting of a problem as far as deck building goes as it is in Modern. Sure, okay. But I think that every format that doesn't have fetch land, so like Pioneer, Standard, and, you know, Alchemy, Historic, will love these lands. Like, yeah. Like, we'll go like really, really high on this land. And I can see... Engadger just replacing a spell in like a control deck because because it's yeah. a removal spell. Yeah. And I can see uh, Sokensan be huge in the mono red decks that like it's popular, like one of the best decks in Akim is mono red. And uh, again, in Historic, you have uh, the uh, Indomitable Creativity deck that actually struggles in making tokens because you don't have the fetch lands. I'm yeah. not that high on the blue and the black, I wasn't before, I'm still not that high, but. I can definitely see, again, it's just free. It's just free. Like mono black aggro, it's a deck. You can just play two Takenuma and it's going to be fine. Yeah, I probably should have had the cycle address number one just because you're going to see so much of it, even though they're not game breaking. Yeah, easy you. <laughs> All right. At two, that one, I mean, I was, I felt like for Historic it was a bit, a bit tougher. I just had Lion Sash again mm. just because. I think Artifact is, you know, there's a couple of decent Artifact decks already, and this one's just pretty versatile. The Graveyard, the two best decks right now are Graveyard-based, and we'll see if that card, you know, the question is that card, as obviously not as powerful without Stoneforge, but is it still good enough at face value, like you would just put a bunch of scavenging in your deck? 
It starts with weaker base stats, but it's any permanent. You also don't have fetch lands in historic, which means maybe not as easy to get permanents in the yard. So that one was kind of, I wasn't too sure. I'm not that high on this card in historic. I think in modern, like imagine if Stoneforge Mystic was still banned. Would you be so high on this card in modern? No, not at all. Yeah. So I think historic is similar. Yeah. And White has Rest in Peace already, which is a very major graveyard eight. Of course, this is like Rest in Peace hits both graveyards, so you really just cannot afford to play any graveyard strategies, whereas this card can only hit your opponent. So in a deck that uses graveyard, it would be good in the same way that I don't know, Neil Spellbomb is good. Yeah. So Soga Lantern. Yeah. Yeah, makes sense. All right. And at Number one, I have kind of a cycle. I had the In artifact the cards, basically. I have Mindlink Mech, Tezzeret, and Moonsnare Prototype. So we've already talked about Moonsnare Prototype and Tezzeret. And Mindlink Mech is a card I thought was really cool. It does maybe a little <laughs> more than meets the eye at first. It's I've never really... read it. Okay, let's okay, go. Okay, well... Uh, a blue and two artifact vehicle for free flying crew one. And whenever it becomes crewed for the first time each turn until end of turn, it becomes a copy of target non-legendary creature that crewed it this turn, except it's a for free. It's a vehicle artifact in addition to its other top and it has flying. So I'm just going to give you an example so you kind of get it. It's probably easier. It's You crew it with Esper Sentinel. Boom, your opponent has to play... Uh, you know, four more for their spell. So you could imagine a, a spot where you just crew it in their upkeep with your Sentinel, and all of a sudden they have to pay one for your Sentinel and four for that. If you crew it with Ingenious Smith and then play an artifact, it gets a plus one, plus one token. And if you crew it with a Karnstruct from Karnstein of Urza or Urza, wow. it, it gets plus X, plus X for each artifact you have. So potentially you can hit for like, I don't know, eight damage, 10 damage even more so those are the three that kind of were obvious to me maybe there's a few others i'm forgetting it it's it does say non-legendary so you can't just crit with dragovan and get the ragavan trigger um, but yeah i think that card is is really cool and i'm hoping it's going to be good enough spe specifically in historic the, the blue white historic deck was already pretty strong maybe not tier one but it was all the upgrades it's getting it might be good it's it's real. The crew is just one for a four three flyer. Wow, yeah. this card is really good. I, I don't know why it's just completely. Ooh, I, oh, I got mango hyped. Nice. <laughs> yeah. Although I don't, I have never. I have, I don't have the Nato system, the Thought Monitor on Magic Arena. I don't want to craft them. Oh. I'm joking. <laughs> I always have this. I always have this thing where it's just so painful to craft Modern Horizons cards on Arena. <laughs> just just write them off as as a business expense here good. no it's fine i drafted i drafted i drafted yeah. enough back in the days i still live off uh, the the grind no but yeah this card is really really good i didn't know it at all yeah. it must be true that the construct on historic can only be made of car inside of urza that's it like you don't um, have urza you don't have urza saga right no i don't think there's other ways to make construct yeah. But no, this this card is excellent. Yeah, I like it. I like it a lot. I have to make some points about cards you didn't mention. All right. Yeah, yeah. Okay. March of the Otherworldly Light. I think this, like, 
I'm very excited to try discarding four of in my Jeskai Control. I was already high on Jeskai Control before, with like, you know, Anger of the Gods and you have Lightning Elix. You know, just the usual Teferi, Narset, Shark Typhoon. And this is just Exiles, Witch's Oven, Exiles, Trail of Crumbs. You know, I mean, it's not great, but it does the thing that you, you, you want to do. Exiles, like, Riven of Squirrel, everything. And it's an instant, so you can pay with uh, Teferi, like you're on top two lands, and you have now Armosba for a one drop. Uh, you know, Exiles, um, Artlet Phoenix is just obviously like it's expensive to do so, but it's just so versatile that I think it's it what makes it good. I think. Yeah, the format's not as fast. You don't get punished as much for overpaying, and there's not. There's just not that great of removal in historic. You've got Fateful Absence, yeah, Portable exactly. Hold, Seal yeah. Away, Baffling End. Yeah, you nothing. mentioned Yeah, you mentioned the Fateful Absence, but I just don't want to give a, my opponent a, a clue. Yeah. And, and yeah. Portable Hole uh, sometimes is a number with Divine Purge, if you want to play Divine Purge in Blue-White, for example. Yeah, gets rid of Creature Lands too. That's pretty cool. Yeah. And then another card I am high on is Farwell, Farewell. Yeah. It's six mana, sorcery, and it says choose one or more, or more. And it's Exile Artifact, old creatures, old enchantments, old graveyards. So if you play this card against classic black grain food, the most popular deck in the format, you just clean. Yeah, that, that's a great point. I saw that card and I was like, oh, it's another one of these six-minute sweepers. It doesn't get rid of Planeswalkers. But yeah. with the specific yeah. perspective of yeah, cleaning out Black Green Food, for example, even, even Phoenix getting rid of their graveyard and stuff, exiling the Phoenixes. Yeah, cost six, which is a lot. I think against Black Green Food, you can afford that because the game goes super long against them if you play Control. But... I used to play Cleansing Nova, but I think I would play this instead. Yeah, and, and you don't really play enchantments in Blue White or Artifacts. You have you don't have to play Portable Hole. You have what Shark Typhoon Search first counter that people don't really play anymore. You just have Planeswalkers for the most part. So it, it could be it, yeah. it could be good, yeah. You think like more of a main deck card, sideboard card, maybe one of in the main, one in the sideboard, something like that. I mean, it depends how much we expect uh, uh, Black Green Food to be at the PT. I think it's going to be very, very popular. Yeah. And, like, again, this is also good against uh, the Enchantress deck, which is a deck. It did very well in one of these PTQ, I think. It came first place in one of them, too. Yeah. And um, I heard you... I, I read on Twitter that you played a bunch of Enchantress. Yeah, Enchantress. Yeah, it was fun. I had uh, what happened is that two people in my chat who made day two of the qualifier was it, and unfortunately mm. day two a one went six free, got really close, and no. another one went free and free. So still like pretty solid showing for day two, and played a bit of Enchantress, and it, it was decent. But right now um, the food list have Rampage the Clan Arya, who won the PTQ, even had one in the main, one in the sideboard, and what happened in my games when, was they would just go end of turn rampage on tap meat hook massacre and my whole board was good so gone but maybe maybe if you get far enough ahead you can keep enough cards in hand and and rebuild maybe maybe i didn't play super well these games but did, that, that felt did, tough did she play rampage the clan to blow up their her own uh, food token i mean i guess just just versatile you know it just blows up your own stuff 
blows up their stuff in the mirror match. You just, you know, get them. It's, uh, yeah, it's kind of versatile in that deck. Yeah, the food deck just looks like you can't attack it. Like, yeah, it's stuff in that, yeah, the Mitok Massacre, Thoughtseize. Um, yeah. yeah. Really, really good. Really good deck. Um, I I have I I'm finally after years I I have a I have a team for this PT. Oh, I saw ya. Yeah, we make the we I made this announcement, and actually a lot of people joined. I was pretty afraid that not that many people would have joined, but we have a group of sixteen people around, and um, yeah, there's just they're writing a lot, they're testing a lot between them. I mainly made it. So uh, for those of you who didn't who didn't read the tweet, I um, openly invited people to to a Discord group of people qualified to the PT, but only people that were very interested in testing. I said, so we have uh, this group and people like, and mostly I made it because um, because so many people just qualify for their PT and just test on the ladder, right? Yeah. Because I mean, what else you're supposed to do? Nobody else is qualified that you know, so you just test on the ladder. And uh, the testing between people is much, much better than just testing yeah. on the ladder. So, and it's working. I think that lots of people that are now, you know, trying hard and yeah, tomorrow we have a meeting where yeah, we're talking about working. all of this. People are yeah. testing for you, so you don't have to test. Genius. <laughs> oh, that's all I'm doing. <laughs> I'm, I already, I already locked my story deck. Just get control. Uh, yeah, I saw Pumpa. Pumpa beat the crap out of me on the ladder a couple yeah, times. Yeah, uh, I, I'm, I'm like fan number one of Pumpa. I always watch his stream, and uh, I'm always in his chat watching him play. He always plays control. He always trapped me with his deck. Like at the arena open, I played Esper. Uh, the, you know, I love him. I love him. He always plays these control decks and. Yeah. He's very high on the ladder. He's always like yeah, top ten. He was he was rank eleven when he beat me. Yeah, maybe I'm a little too cynical, but it's the first thing. I mean, kind of half jokingly, but it's the first thing I thought I, I thought of when I saw that we was like, nice. It's just gonna have people do. do, do, oh. do. I've been thinking about maybe. I didn't. I didn't okay, it's fine. Doing it's that fine, like testing it. testing a bit more openly and just having kind of a group and makes makes my stream a little more fun. Uh, yeah. I can see myself doing that at some point. I think it's a good idea. I like it. Yeah, it's just that since I uh, basically decided that um, I took content creation over, you know, yeah. pro player, um, I like withdraw myself from teams because it wasn't fair that yeah. you know, I was streaming every day and I was streaming my games and maybe, you know, maybe I end up like streaming a deck that's very similar to a person deck, you know? And I don't want to be like people thinking that I stream their deck. So yeah. I, w I never like ask Javier or anyone to, or Chana Farble to join any team or you, yeah. because I always, you know, but I think that, yeah, what basically what happened is that both me and Eli, um, Eli Loveman, we wanted to make this, this team with Upumpa who won a qualifier. So he's qualified and also another good friend of Eva or Eli. So it was us four only. And I'm like, if it's just us four, we can just, you know, I don't know. I felt that that was a good opportunity because normally I wouldn't have done it if I was by myself again. Yeah. No, I haven't looked at our Discord uh, chat basically because I don't want to, I don't want to see, you know, what my teammates are up to and then be influenced on my stream. So I'm just going to ignore it till the, the last week before, uh, 
testing and then kind of test wisdom, uh, you know, in-house testing uh, for the last week before Declan's idea. I want to I wanna take your uh, opinion on one thing. About just Kai Control, like, I really insist that we should play Kahira because it's a free roll, and Upumpa does not think so. Like, at what point it's a free roll? Like, in, in Modern, for example, it's not a free roll. It's really good with Solitude. In Modern, in Historic, it doesn't have any effects except maybe now March, but it's yeah. not a good either. I think we, we played it in the last time we played just kind of big tournament. I think we had Kahira. I think it's a little worse in Historic than it is in Modern. For sure. Um, yeah, I could see, I could see it not being. I'm a big fan of Giganta, but I could see Kahira not being its super worth in that deck. Yeah, a lot of a lot of time I've wanted to have cards like Bane Slayer Angel in my sideboard too, so it gets mm. a little worse when there's a bunch of matchups where you bring in creatures. But I'm assuming if you have literally no creature and you're never bringing creature in any matchup, and Kahira sounds kind of nice. Yeah, you can get Nezahal because Nezahal is a dinosaur. Oh yeah, nice. All right, I think it's time. Yeah, we lost Harry. Should we do uh, time for life on the line or Price is Right? Yeah, I think it's time for me to go to bed. At this point, I'm <laughs> yeah, gonna yeah. throw life on the line, so I don't have to talk about historic anymore. I say talk, listen. But um, yeah, sure. So for those new listening and don't know what life on the line is, at the end of every episode. There's a theoretical tournament tomorrow if you win the event you live. If you lose, you die. Got to bring a deck from every form we talked about today. You guys can give a historic deck if you really care. Um, yeah, maybe just modern. But in modern, I think, honestly, right now, I would go for the Crack the Earth deck. I think I really believe in the white-red structure of um, Sentinel, Rakvan, and Saga. I, re I really liked it. Well, we should do we should do life on the line with Kamigawa, because Kamigawa is coming out Ooh. tomorrow. Okay, Does then I'm just going anything? all in. All in on mono blue affinity. Ooh. All in nice. with nice. with with uh, the new dig through time or no dig through time. With the new dig through time, I'm gonna be rocking like the frog might build, like the seven mana four fours, the new spring leaf drum. I'll show you nice. my life on the line. That's how it's yeah. done, baby. <laughs> we need to we need to make the list together because I want to stream the deck on Friday. Oh, sick! Yeah. Okay. Okay. Uh, what about you, Gab? I'm gonna stick to four color Omnath. You get the the new lands now, so you get an upgrade, and I think that deck's still really good. That that takes a lot of force of will to stick to a deck after after a zero two on a challenge. <laughs> I'm I'm so much result oriented. If I zero to a challenge, I just unsleep well, the well, deck. Well, it was delete. one bad matchup that's gonna become good because I'm gonna get Basayshu, and Ooh. then it was a mirror match, so it doesn't count. It's gonna become it's gonna become good unless unless they have a stomping ground. Like literally, Basayshu fixes your worst matchup. So it was Amulet Titan, and these Oops All Spells decks were really tough. So Amulet Titan. Why, why why would you say fixes Amulet Titan? Because Amulet Titan was pretty bad for for color. No, but you think that Buzeju is that good against Amulet Titan? I think it's a bounce land specifically. It's super good, yeah. Okay. I don't know. Just, they still get like forest, flow mana, get back. I don't, I don't, I don't know. know. I feel like getting the bounce land is is a pretty big deal. Mm. E what about the story, Gab? Oh, we have to put our. I'm gonna go with blue white artifact. Oh, I don't know the exact oh, yeah, that, I, that, I believe in the artifact. I gotta put. I had them at number one 
Uh, yeah. you, know, you also maybe get lion sash that can fit in and yeah you make me you make me crafty nether system thought monitor i think nice okay if for for me i'm gonna choose historic just get control i already have a list ready with march All right. and yeah. any, any new cards yeah besides... for march yeah for march for one... march okay yeah for march in the main and one farewell in the side maybe you can do it main deck too, but I think that six is too much. If and then, only and good then, against it, black green. And then one Otawara and one Iganjo. No, I don't think so. No, you can't. Yeah, the mana base is tough. Yeah, for... I have like one island, one because uh, um, they play Archmage Charm, Anger of the Gods, and all these yeah. white cards. Yeah. Yeah, I barely have one island because of Field of Ruin and one Hold the Storm Giants because that land is like better infinite times than I think. Then Otawara, it's in the inner control deck. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, and in modern, my I I keep on saying that my deck, the pet deck, is uh, is it Merktide. I love that deck. I think that even through a Ganjo, I think Blood Moon is still the way to go. I really like that. That deck is a Blood Moon deck, and sure, they play a Ganjo. You had a basic island. I know it's like. So, it's, I don't know. I feel like Blood Moon is still the way to go for Is It Merc Titan. If I had to win a tournament, that's a deck I'd play, but I don't anymore, so I would probably play Crack the Earth. Ooh. Nice. But it's fun. Have you ever played the Crack the Earth Mirror? Yes, 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 <laughs> with yes. With your life on I the did. line, though? <laughs> no, no, with my life on the line, never, no. But on the on Magical Line, I did. <laughs> okay, sweet. Um, So now, should we do the... What should we do the Price is Right on? We did a preview card last week. We should do we should do one of the preview cards. What card did you do last week? I forget. Oh my gosh, I don't even remember. I almost Oh we did it on the white prismatic ending. Oh come on. Don't do it on rares. Do we have a mythic? Is there a mythic? <laughs> oh Tesseret no, maybe maybe Tesseret? Is Tesseret even maybe, a mythic? Maybe we yeah, Planeswalker. Maybe you can do Boseju. Yeah, but it's not a mythic, but... Yeah, but Busatio is going to be expensive. I'll you tell you, you can pick, Mingu. You're the guest. You want to do Busatio over Tezzeret? I want to do Busatio. I, I have a price in my mind as well. Okay. I'll go first. All right. Let me think for a second. All right. <laughs> okay. I have a price, too. What about Harry? Um, uh, okay, I've got a price. Okay, three, two, one, twenty. Thirty 20. 30 euro. Yep. Uh, when was 12 too? You said 12? No, 20, 20. Oh, 20. Said, I went 12. 30. All right, let's check. Let's check. B O S I B S S. Yeah, yeah. I I, yeah. Ooh. What did you say, Mengu? 30. Yes. Okay, so the price trend is. 27 euros and two cents. <laughs> Wait, did you already did you already order yours, Mangu? Did you game us? Did you know? No, so I uh, know of course people would say that now. I remember last time I was on, I also exactly got it. Right? Uh, I'm so was, bad at this game. I'm literally no, so, so I, bad at I, this game. I buy cards like every day for real. Yeah, it's not just fair. Today, I just yeah. today I bought some, some, we, some. We need a different game next time Mangu's on, <laughs> on the podcast. I'm, we can't do price and price. Yeah, I know. It's not fair. I just, it's just that I know the, the MKM uh, market. 
Oh, you should be it should be like golf. We get a handicap, you know. Mengu starts at like minus five or something, so we 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 get to like do plus or minus five uh, with just, our guess. Honestly, so I have this thing where if I because I build I build paper deck every day basically. Like just today, I played a bunch of paper magic, and if I miss a card, I just immediately buy it because I don't want to find myself in the same spot of just you know not having a card. So, but, you know, but, you, but you won't craft analysis on Arena's edge. Well, you have the paper card. This is just you can't compare. Come on. I'm teasing. <laughs> no, I know. I'm joking. No, it's just I have all these wild cards, but I don't want to use them. It's different. <laughs> okay, sweet. Well, as always, you know, thank you, Card Market, for uh, having a marketplace for us to do. Price is right is on. But as we are towards the end of the episode, Andrea, you are the guest this week. Why don't you let everyone know where they can find you on social media? All right, you can find me on twitter.com under mango09. I tweet a lot, really a lot. And um, also on Instagram, mango09, a lot of Insta stories there too. And then on YouTube, that's my new place that I want to market, place that I want to really push. YouTube is uh, Andrea Mangucci Video is my channel. Um, and yeah, my my thumbnail game is 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 going up. I have a friend helping me and he's making some great thumbnail. He just sent me the Oops All Spells thumbnail and there's literally Goblin Charbelcher skyrocketing the meatball. <laughs> Interesting. And, yeah, you know that Goblin Charbelcher is like the bowl of lava and it's like a meatball. Nice. <laughs> yeah, awesome. I'm, I'm really excited for these new thumbnails on YouTube. Awesome. Okay, Gab, where can we find you? Yeah, Twitch, twitch.tv slash yellowhat. And uh, I'm also going to push my YouTube. I started, uh, I got back on the YouTube grind. I might not be super interesting, the the few videos, if you just listen to the podcast, because I, I did one about the historic meta, was my top historic picks for Kamigawa. I just recorded one kind of reviewing my my last top five I did for Crimson Vow, see what I got right, what I got wrong, and also plan to do a, a top 10 modern one, but trying to uh, post more... Um, more content on YouTube, so you can find me there, Yellowhead, as well. Wow. I feel like I've what? passed on my YouTube hype to you guys. I remember back in the day when I was here shilling my YouTube and you two were saying your Twitch. But I actually have no social medias to promote. I've, I've kind of just gone dead on uh, on social media. You, so you, I can, guess... you can find Harry at university studying hard. <laughs> yeah, like, I'm, I'm at, I messaged him once. He answered me, like, after two days. Yeah, I know. I, I remember when I used to just live on, like, messaging. Well, I mean, yeah, true. I mean, I always have Hall of Famers DMing me for advice and stuff, so there's a bit of a queue, so... <laughs> no, no, I'm joking. But yeah, I'm literally drowning in work right now, trying to balance everything. And um, YouTube takes a lot of time, a lot of time, so... Um, I'm, I'm, I, I actually have been getting messages and stuff. I think I'll definitely go back to full-time magic, um, in, after June. I know that's a long time away, but I mean, the game will still be around then. So for those curious, I'll be back full-time after June, but, um, all right. Yeah. I mean, as always, you know, Andrea, thank you so much for coming on as a guest. We really appreciate you coming on. Thank you. Thank you for the invite. Yeah. Thank you so much, Andrea. Yeah, and I guess anyone who's made it this far into the episode, as always, thank you so much for listening. Hopefully Pat will be back next week. We'll catch you guys next time. Take care, everyone.